0: All right, so that's going to be great. That's going to be in just a couple of weeks. I uh, forgot to show that giving slide to you, but you know the drill. If you're uh, new here, we have multiple ways that you can give. You can put your gift in an envelope and put it in the in the back at door one, two, four, or six. Or we have many ways that you can give online. Just go to calvarymd.com for all the information that you'll need. So uh, we're looking forward to one day to feed the world. Well, we want to give you a welcome whether you're here in person or joining us online through YouTube or Facebook. Thanks for joining us here at Calvary. Uh, listen, before I forget, you know, this Tuesday uh, is Election Sunday, as you well know. Uh, no, that would be Election Tuesday. Election. <laughs> I tell you, sometimes Kelly and I will tease, when you get up here, your IQ immediately drops about 20 points, right? <laughs> What do you put a mic in front of your hands? Your mind just goes, but this, this Tuesday is election Tuesday. We want to be in prayer for that. And uh, God has blessed us to live uh, in a great, wonderful country, this, uh, this democratic Republic. And as part of that, we have the privilege and I would say duty uh, to do our part in voting and as followers of Christ. Uh, we, should, we should be voting for candidates that have uh, like-mindedness. Uh, what we don't do is we don't take our Christian hat off when we get into the, the polls and then we put on some sort of political hat or whatever. You know, as followers of Christ, he shapes our whole worldview. So every decision we make, whether it be with our kids or our finances, the way we're going to give, the way we're going to serve, the way we're going to spend our time, whatever it might be, everything is filtered through the word of God. And so I want to encourage you to make sure that you, you do your due diligence, go online, research their platforms, and then see how it aligns with the word of God and then vote accordingly. Can we all agree to do that? Okay. Okay. Well, as you know, this is a, uh, a missions emphasis month. And uh, we're placing a, a special emphasis, extra uh, missions emphasis. Uh, we talked about you know, one day to feed the world in a couple of months. We had Miss Suzanne here today. We'll have another missionary guest next week and a, another guest the following week. But my prayer is that we don't see missions as an add-on, but as a part of who we are. Missions is just a part of of who we are. Uh, If you're new to our church, our mission as a church is to love God, love people, and change the world. It's very simple, but we didn't make it up. Jesus gave us that mission, actually. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then change the world. How do we do that? Uh, what we, we follow the great commission that he said, go into all the world and make disciples. Go change the world. And so that's a part of what we do as a church. And Jesus told us in Matthew 28 to, to go. He was sending his followers. In essence, he was saying that you are all supposed to be missionaries. Now, sometimes we tend to think that the title missionary is reserved for people like Suzanne, who are in full-time vocational ministry. Maybe she's involved or that person is involved in some sort of missions organization on on the ends of the earth there, some remote part of the earth. But really, God commanded all of us to do our part. The definition of of a missionary is very simple. It's just one who is sent on a mission well jesus commissioned all of his followers to go on a mission every christ follower is called to be a minister and or a missionary it's on us to spread the good news of jesus now we do that on a daily basis god has put within you a sphere of influence okay whether it's at work in your neighborhood at school Each and every one of us have a sphere of influence. There are people that you know that I don't know. Vice versa, people I don't know that you'll never meet. And God has strategically placed us in those spheres of influence to reach people. So we are called to them to be ministers, to be missionaries. Now, there are some places that we'll never be able to go. Some of us may never go to Paris, France, like Suzanne, but we can help send those who are called. And that's what we are emphasizing this month, the whole month of missions. We are sent out to spread the good news of Jesus. Now, many of you know uh, one of the most famous passages of Scripture, Jesus himself said this in John 3.16, talking to the Pharisee Nicodemus. He said, For God so loved the world. God so loved. That's kind of our theme, as you can see on the screen behind me. That's our theme for today and for this missions, this mission's emphasis is that he so loved the world. Every single person created on planet Earth was created in his image with his likeness. And he loves them all. It's his heart that all come home to the Father. And he's put us on notice that we are to be people that go and tell. We've received the love of Jesus. We know that he loves everybody. Therefore, we love everybody and are called to reach people for him. It's his will that none should perish, but that all come to repentance and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalm 67, Psalm 67, it's a very cool chapter. It's a unique passage of scripture for various reasons that we're gonna find out here in just a moment. But before we dig into all of those reasons and find some interesting things about that passage, I'm just gonna read the entire chapter for you. It's just a real quick seven-verse chapter that we find in Psalm 67. Read along on the screen or on the Bible that you have that you brought with you here today. It says this, may God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. Now that Selah, that just means pause for a moment, think about it, meditate on it. Verse two, that your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth, Selah. Verse five, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. So this, this psalm, Psalm 67, just seven simple verses. Now, many of you know that the Old Testament, the original language that it was written in, is Hebrew. If we were to read this in Hebrew, we would find that there are 49 words in Psalm 67. It's not only seven verses, but it's exactly 49 words, okay? If you're good at math, you know that Seven times seven is 49. And if you were here a a couple of weeks ago when we concluded our series in the book of Joshua, we talked about the importance of the number seven. Remember, they marched around the Jericho seven days and seven times on that seventh day. And, And we talked about the significance of the number seven. God views the number seven as the number of completion, as a number of perfection. Now, not so coincidentally, I happen to have been born in 77. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm just saying, right? That's God's perfect number. It's completion, seven times seven. Now, there, there is even more interesting details found within these 49 words and if you'll bear with me we're gonna kind of nerd out just a little bit on psalm 67 There's a pattern or a sequence of numbers Within these verses that repeats itself in reverse. Let let me show you what I'm talking about uh, with this slide here verse 1 in Hebrew now if we were to read this in Hebrew verse 1 is made up of seven words verse 2 is six words verse 3 is also six words then we get to the middle. Verse 4 is 11 words. Then verse 5 is 6 words. Verse 6 is 6 words. And then verse 7 is 7 words. 7, 6, 6, 11, 6, 6, 7. Now if we were to read that from the bottom up, we'd see the same sequence of numbers. 7, 6, 6, 11, 6, 6, 7. It's the same sequence starting from the beginning or the end. Now, many of you are familiar with palindromes, okay? That, that is when a word is spelled, the, the spelling is the same frontwards or backwards, like M-O-M, it's the same front words, it is backwards. Mom, that's a real simple one. Noon, which were noon 05, if you're wondering what time it is. It's noon 05, right? Noon is a palindrome. Uh, now, this is an interesting, this will be a, you came to church just to hear this. Kayak is a palindrome, did you know that? Yeah, rotator is a palindrome. Isn't that interesting? So in poetry, it's not exactly a palindrome, but this pattern is called a chiasm. And a chiasm is a literary device in which a sequence of ideas is presented, then it's represented in reverse order. So what we find here in Psalm 67, verse 1 and 7 contain parallel thoughts. Verse two and six also contain parallel thoughts. Not only is it the same amount of words, it has the same parallel thought. Now in in Psalm 67, verse three and five are exactly the same. And then in the middle, verse four has 11 words. That's the most words. And in that verse, we find the theme of the entire chapter. Let me show you uh, on this screen here behind us You can put it on the side screens as well. You can see uh, verse one, to the right, the theme is bless us. If you jump down to the bottom, verse seven, if you look to the right, God will bless us. That's the theme, that's the parallel thoughts of verse one and seven. It's about God. Then we move to a prayer to God in verse two and six, so the earth will know, or verse six, the earth is blessed. Verse three and five is more of a praise to the Lord. They're identical let the peoples praise you, O oh God. Let the peoples praise you. Then in the middle, verse four, those are 11 words again in Hebrew. The theme is about the nations rejoicing in the Lord. Now, again, in Hebrew, this is 49 words. And many Jews associate the 49 words of this psalm with the 49 days in between the feast of Passover and the Feast of Weeks. Now, we we know the Feast of Weeks as the Feast of Pentecost. We get that word, we, we get that from the Greek, Pentecost. And that is around harvest season. And interestingly, the Jews sung this psalm in connection with the Feast of Pentecost. Now, that's significant because it was during that feast, centuries later, That the Holy Spirit would come upon the believers who were gathered. You can read about that in your Bible sometime if you'd like, Acts chapter two. And what was the purpose of Jesus sending the Holy Spirit to the believers in Acts chapter two? It was to enable and empower believers to go into all the earth to spread the gospel. Harvest, uh, not a harvest of grain or wheat, if you will, but a harvest of souls. Now, if we look at the future verse of 67, we, we find the theme. Let me read that to you again. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the nations be glad. Let them sing for joy. Not just the people of Israel, but the nations not just the Jews, but let all the earth sing for joy and be glad. Again, centuries after this psalm was written, the events of Acts 2 unfold during the Jewish feast of Pentecost with the express intent for Christ's followers to spread the good news to the whole world. Do you, does anybody else think that that's pretty cool? I just think, how, how cool is the Lord to have such forethought, to put such detail in this psalm that just so happened to be sung around the Feast of Weeks, the, the Feast of Pentecost. Isn't it just like God to do things uh, in order with intentionality? Nothing gets past him. And I just love the Word of God. The Word of God is unlike any other book that we read. It's incredible. And this psalm, it highlights the very heart of God, the heart for all peoples, the heart for all nations, for God so loved the world. And in this psalm, we find God's plan for missions. If you're taking notes today, there's a three-part plan for missions that God gives us in this psalm, Psalm 67. The first one, first part of his plan is number one, to bless his people. Now, we just heard uh, our team uh, minister an incredible rendition of that song, of that prayer, The Blessing. Didn't they do amazing, by the way? That was so awesome. Uh, We often pray that same prayer over you as we conclude the Sundays. May the Lord bless you and keep you. That song, that prayer goes all the way back to the days of Moses and his brother Aaron. We call it the Aaronic Blessing because the Lord spoke to Moses to tell Aaron how to pray over the people. And we find that in the book of Numbers, chapter 6, beginning with verse 22, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace now in this prayer who is it that is doing the blessing the lord you can talk back the lord the lord now remember this was originally written in hebrew and when the translators would come upon the word yahweh they would translate it lord all caps Your scripture, your copy of God's word probably has it all caps, capital L-O-R-D. So again, when they came across the word Yahweh, they translated it Lord. Well, Yahweh in Hebrew was the covenant name for God, specifically with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The covenant name for the people of Israel, the Jewish people, if you will. May the Lord bless you is what it says in numbers. Now, we go back to Psalm 67, we look at verse 1, it says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Now, the translation here is God. They did not use the word Lord. They didn't use the word Yahweh in this Psalm. They used the word God. It actually, in the original, they used the word Elohim. Now, Elohim emphasizes the universal sovereignty and power of Israel's God over all others. So, not just Yahweh, the God of Israel, but God of all nations. God of everyone. God wants all of his people to be blessed. And then we find this same thing confirmed in the parallel. Remember, verse one's parallel is verse seven. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Not just the Jewish people, not just Israel. Let everyone, let all of the nations fear him. That tells us that the result of God's blessing is that all of the earth will hear about the greatness of our God And fear him. Number one, we are blessed by God so that, number two, we can bless others. God's plan is to bless his people so that we will bless others. Now, in verses two and six, you remember, the emphasis is on the earth and the nations. So it's talking about the the physical earth, the earth itself, and the peoples, the inhabitants of the earth. Uh, Again, verse 1 reads, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Then verse 2 goes on to say, so that, and I added that word so, so that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. All nations. Now, again, if we go back all the way to God's covenant with Abraham, you can read about that in the book of Genesis. God's intentions for blessing his people was so that we could use those blessings to bless others. Genesis chapter 12 says this. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed now we fast forward 1,000 years approximately from the time he spoke to Abraham. Fast forward 1,000 years to when this Psalm 67 was written, the principle remains the same. God wants to bless his people. He wants to bless you and me so that we can bless others. And then his name will be made famous. That's number three. God wants to bless his people who bless others and make his name famous. God wants to bless his people who then bless others and make his name famous. That means it's it's not about my name. (laughs) It's not about you being famous. It's not about us being famous or Calvary being famous or whatever. It's all about his name being made famous in all the earth. And verses 3 and 5, again, highlight this point. Verses 3 and 5 are identical. They both read this. Let the people praise you. Oh, God, let all the peoples praise you. Right there, we see that it is not us that is to be made famous right? God is the star here. It is him that is the one that is to be praised. Elohim, the all-powerful God of all the earth, of all nations. Then again, right in the middle, verse four, we see the theme of the chapter. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Why? For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Why should the nations be glad and sing for joy? Because God is the ultimate ruler. Being under the the rulership of man is flawed and is not God's ultimate plan for us, for the earth, for humanity. Now listen, we need to go out and vote on Tuesday. But we need to also understand that both Democrats and Republicans are flawed leaders. I know that is no news flash to you today. But there is rejoicing when God is on the throne. Scripture says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. There is joy in coming out of the rulership of man and coming under the rulership of Almighty God. It's God's plan. It's his heart. It's his desire that every single person on planet Earth come home to him, have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And as his children who once were lost but now are found, it's on us to help show people the way back home to the loving Heavenly Father. And once you and I are in the kingdom of God, we are to do two things. We are to know him and then to make him known. We are to know God and to make him known. Let me show you a scripture from John chapter 17, verse 3. And this is the way to have eternal life to know you, talking about the Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to the earth. The way to eternal life, the way to salvation comes through experientially knowing God and knowing his son, Jesus Christ. In fact, just a few chapters earlier, I believe it's John chapter 14, Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way, the only way to heaven, the only way to salvation. And we must know him if we want to be saved. But we don't stop there from just knowing him. We want to help him be known throughout the earth. Paul writing... To the Romans in chapter 10 says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you're new here today, you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, how do I get saved? Paul just told us here, Romans 10, 9. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Then he goes on. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all. Isn't that good news? Right? Not just Jews, but Gentiles, us non-Jews too. We get to know him as Lord of all. Bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? So Paul's going on and saying, hey, it's good that you know, but what about those who don't know? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to, they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Know him and make him known. Now, notice Paul did not limit evangelism to just our lifestyle, to our behaviors, to setting a good example. And by the way, we should be setting a good example. Christ followers should be stand-up citizens. We should be showing the rest of the world how it's done. right? We should act with integrity and have good morals and values and all of that. But Paul didn't limit it to just that. He said the word has to be preached as well. So it's not only our setting a good example, it's using our mouth to tell others about Jesus. Now, this word preached here, the, the usage in the original Greek, was not talking about preaching on a Sunday morning in a church building. Uh, this word preach carries with it the idea of proclaiming and announcing. And so, as believers, all of us should be proclaiming and announcing with their actions and with their mouth the good news of Jesus. How else will they know unless they are told? How will they know unless they hear the good news of Jesus? I want you in in your mind for just a moment to think about something, a a line that is um, 750,000 miles long. 750,000 miles long. Uh, a, A line that long would go around the earth 30 times. And I want you to think about that line being added to it 20 miles every day. It gets longer by 20 miles every day. If you can think of something that long, that's the line of people who are alive today that do not know Jesus. If we were to put people shoulder to shoulder all around the world it would wrap the globe over 30 times, three quarters of a million miles long. That's from, literally from here to the moon, and back, and to the moon again. That is a lot of people. And we want to be a part of shortening that line. Can I get a better amen than that, somebody? We want to be a part of shortening that line today. We want to be about knowing God and then helping make him known to the nations. Jesus said this in Matthew 24, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And then the end will come. What he's talking about there, the end, is when he returns. He came the the first time, but he's coming back again real soon. We call that the second coming, and the first phase of the second coming is going to be the rapture. We're going to talk about that next week, so come on back. But could it be that the father is delaying the return of his son to buy more time that the gospel could be preached. I really believe that. I believe that the only reason why Jesus hasn't returned yet is because the Father is buying more time for us to go reach more people for Jesus. God loves the world that much that he's delaying the return of his son. Now, 24 people per minute come to the end of their earthly life, 24 people per minute die without ever having heard that there is a Jesus who loves them, who came to save them and redeem them. Now, just trying to do quick math, I mean, we've been here since 11 o'clock at 24 people per minute. Just since we've been here in this room this morning, that's been over 1,000 people perish into eternity without ever having an opportunity to meet Jesus. How will they know unless they are told? The Joshua Project tells us that there are over 17,000 tribes or ethnic groups in the world today. And they estimate that of that over 17,000, that 7,000 of them have not been yet reached for Jesus no place like this to gather on a Sunday no churches no pastors no evangelists no missionaries no Bibles in their language no Christian material at all 7,000 ethnic groups yet to be reached that tells us that there's a lot of work yet to be done But I believe God hasn't called us to do something so great just to set us up for failure. He's equipped us with gifts. He's blessed us to be a blessing. He's given us the Holy Spirit to equip us and empower us and prepare us with boldness. He's also given us each other. We have one another. He didn't call me to do it alone. He didn't call Suzanne to do it alone. He didn't call you to do it alone. He thinks that we work better in teams. And he's given us one another to work together. That's what being part of the body of Christ is all about. You do your part and I do my part. And we all function together within the body of Christ, carrying the good news of Jesus. And that's why we partner With so many missionaries and missions organizations. If you're new here today, this will be the first time you're hearing this, but the first 10% of every dollar that comes in goes right back out to missions and outreach. It goes to partner with people like Suzanne, who you just met, who's a missionary to Paris, France. We partner together with people like her, with organizations like Convoy of Hope and the Frederick Rescue Mission and other missionaries in Latin America and Central America and Europe and Asia and Australia and Africa. We partner together as one team, part of the body of Christ. It takes a a team to accomplish such a great mission. And in fact, that's one of the reasons why the Assemblies of God was founded. If you didn't know, this church happens to be associated uh, with an organization called the Assemblies of God, and I'm reading this directly from their website, ag.org. The General Council of the Assemblies of God USA, one of the largest Pentecostal denominations in the United States, was organized in 1914 by a broad coalition. Pastor Wes, you were just a wee little lad when that was formed in 1914. I'll pay for that later. 1914, by a broad coalition of ministers who desired to work together to fulfill common objectives such as sending missionaries and providing fellowship and accountability. The Assemblies of God was literally founded to know God and to make him known. To partner together to come together as one giant force one giant team to send missionaries into the harvest field that's why we are here today now jesus's final words to his followers his final words to the disciples he was on the mount of olives and he was about to be ascended back to the father in heaven which is where he is today preparing a place for you and me, he left them with one final instruction. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, he says this, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Remember, they were in Jerusalem. Hey, you gotta get out of Jerusalem, guys. We gotta go make disciples of everyone, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself said, go reach the world. And 2,000 years later, after that commission, after that command, can I tell you that there's still a lot of work yet to be done? There's still more for you and I to do. And his last command should be our first concern. Jesus' last words should be our top priority. Before he left, that was the last thing that he gave us. His last command should be our first concern. God so loved the world. Aren't you glad that that includes you and me? Aren't you glad that included you? I'm so glad that included me. He so loved us that he gave his only son. And as followers of Jesus, As church, as his church, as Calvary Church, we wanna do all that we can while we can to fulfill his great commission. His last words, our first concern. Amen, everybody. Amen, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Just wanna invite you right there in your seat to bow your heads and close your eyes. I wanna give you an opportunity to respond this morning. The Holy Spirit's been moving in this place today and you can leave here changed in Jesus' name. That scripture, God so loved the world. Did you know that that includes you? Maybe you find yourself in this room, you don't even know how you got here, somebody invited you or maybe, maybe you just kinda drove by and you felt something pulling at your heart to come in today. And in this room, you're looking at yourself and you're wondering, how could God love me? I have done so many bad things. I've, I've made some awful decisions. Could this same God actually love me? Well, the answer today, my friend, is yes. For God so loved the world. That means every single person including you. That verse goes on to say that whosoever, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. But let me tell you, that is the only way to make it to heaven is when we acknowledge him as the way, the truth, the life. He loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And we want to give you an opportunity to say yes to him right now. So no one's looking around. I know that many Christians are praying right now because the Holy Spirit is in this moment right here. If you want to make him the Lord of your life, if you're tired of living life on your own and you're you're ready to come home to the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ, I'm just gonna ask you to lift your hand and hold it there just so I can see it raise your hand if you want to invite Jesus into your life praise the Lord many many hands are up just leave them up there for a moment now listen in just a moment you can put them down in just a moment someone is gonna come behind you and give you a bag they're gonna do it real discreetly we're not trying to make a big scene but uh, we want to help you on your journey in that bag there's a Bible There's a pamphlet that says, now what? That's gonna give you some instruction on what you're supposed to do now as you begin this Christian journey. It's gonna teach you how to, to read the Bible, teach you how to pray. We wanna put that resource in your hand. But I want us to do this together. I want us to out loud pray a prayer where we invite Jesus to come and be the Lord of your life. And let me tell you this, that this prayer is just the beginning. We just read where Paul said if we, if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, we will be saved. But it's not just a one and done. We have to daily choose to follow him. Because listen, the enemy's gonna wanna come tomorrow and gonna say that wasn't real. You just kinda got caught up in the emotion. You got caught up in the, in the moment of that day. But listen, Jesus said, If he has set you free, you are free indeed. And Jesus wants to set you free. So we're going to say a prayer, inviting him to be the Lord of our lives. So let's do this together. Everybody out loud say, dear Jesus, for too long, I've lived without you. I've tried to live it my way and I'm ready to try it your way. Please forgive me of my sin. I thank you for dying on the cross and rising again for my sin. I invite you into my life. And from this day forward, I will live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's give God praise for those who just said (laughs) yes to Jesus. Amen. I'm gonna invite all of us, can we stand across this room? We're not gonna leave just yet, but as you stand, we're gonna invite the prayer team members down. If you need prayer for anything, these men and women are gonna be here to pray with you, to pray for you. But I'm just gonna ask you one more moment to just quiet yourself before the Lord and do business with the Lord. He's been speaking to you today, and each of us have a next step. Each and every one of us need to do something and response to the word that has gone forth. Not for my sake, but for your sake. And because God has called us to do something. So here's just some ideas on your next step. You pray about it. One, you can pray, right? You can pray for missionaries and missions organizations. You can get a picture that we just showed of all of those that we support around the world. You can be actively praying for those who have been called to the ends of the earth. You can be praying for divine appointments in your life and in the life of your kids, the life of your family. Be praying, Lord, help me to be on the lookout for ways that I can make a difference in the life of somebody today. Maybe it's give. Maybe you can't go to France or Spain or El Salvador, but you can help someone who is going. You can give. Remember the first 10% of everything that comes in goes right back out to Missions and Outreach. Maybe you wanna go meet Suzanne in the Welcome Center in just a moment, just give her a special check or give her some cash to help her on her journey to accomplish all the money that she needs to raise. You can pray, you can give, you can also go. You can sign up, go to calvarymd.com. Look up on the events page, those mission trips that are coming up to El Salvador, to, to Spain. You can go to your neighborhood this week. You can go to your school this week. You can go to your workplace. Every single one of us has a next step. And I just want you to pray just a moment. Lord, what is my next step? Come on, right there in your seat. Do business with the Lord. Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. Reveal to me how you would have me respond. Is there someone that you've placed on my heart that I need to go reach, I need to go minister. I've been shy about telling them about Jesus. Give me your Holy Spirit to, to have that boldness to share the good news of Jesus this week. Drop it in my heart who I need to pray for, where I need to go. What would you have me to do next, Lord? Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, we thank you that you so love the world. That includes me that includes every single one in this room. You so loved the entire world. You didn't come just for the Jews. You didn't come for just the nation of Israel, but you came for everyone and your heart, it is your heart that all would come to repentance. And I pray that we would do our part to reach people for Jesus. Help us to see people the way that you see them as loved, as sons and daughters of God, who need to be welcomed and shown the way back home Help us to do our part, Lord, to bring people back to you. How we love you, we praise you, Lord. Come on, let's sing this song now. A million angels fall face down on the floor, all to echo.